You're listening to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. Comics, television, movies, and more. If it impacts fan culture, we have something to say about it. And now, your hosts, Jordan, Cliff, and Seth. Welcome back to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. We're here with Jordan Lowe. Cliff Barnes. I'm Seth. Good to see you guys through the magic of Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) All our patrons can see us through Zoom as well. Hello, patrons. Thank you for patronizing us. They'll notice we're still wearing the same t-shirts that we have been for a while. You're killing, Cliff. (laughs) <laughs> one dollar gets you access to our secret facebook page and we post the videos from these zoom calls on there we do a few fun things you can vote in polls when someone doesn't die like a day before we do one of these and we yeah. have to do their one job immediately if we ever anticipate a one job we do a poll and let you vote in there but that hasn't happened lately but we'll get back to that soon I was just going to mention a couple things I was watching, and I'm going to let you guys take over. I'm going to log off. Got some stuff to do. Like sleep. You got to put some aloe vera on. <laughs> okay, sunburn. <laughs> um, I watched a couple things uh, on HBO Max. For, first off, was uh, there's a Perry Mason show on there. Mm-hmm. It's good, pretty good with Matthew uh, Reese from the Americans. Mr. Mason, an unspeakable act has visited upon us. Why not leave it to the police? I don't trust the Los Angeles Police Department to do the job. The way I see it, there's what's legal. There's what's right. Um, pretty hard-boiled stuff. John Lithgow. Um, it it's not very your traditional Perry Mason. I mean, if you know what the you know the IP they're using here, it was a lawyer. Right. I remember watching Perry Mason. I, I I believe that it's going to get there. Right now, the character is more of a down-on-his-luck detective. And it's yeah, like the 1930s, it, right? Yeah, something like that. I didn't quite get like what it earns from just using that name. Like, No young people are like know that name, and it's, it has nothing to do with anything an older person would recognize. So, yeah, I, I didn't quite. <laughs> this guy right here. <laughs> Point to me. Uh, I recognize the name, and uh, yeah, I probably would have watched it anyway if you told me Matthew Reese was in a hardball detective thing. But Perry Mason's a recognizable name still, even if people aren't totally sure what it is, they've heard it. And man, people love an IP. So, but that's the, it. Kind of turned me off. I'm like, I don't care about a Perry Mason reboot. But then I see the trailer, like, wow, that looks like a cool noir tough guy show. Yeah. And if you just say, hey, it's the tough guy noir show, I'm involved. But I, I, I was the opposite. I got turned off by it. The only thing I don't like about it, I haven't finished it yet. Uh, what's three or four episodes? But uh, it's got Tatiana Matslani, I think her name was from Orphan Black. She, um, whatever her storyline, she's like some religious. Uh, creature of some kind and it just that that part of the show is not great but the rest of it's good um the other uh, other thing on hbo max that uh, i'll be gone in the dark michelle mcnamara um pat oswalt's late wife that did all the investigating and writing on, um, on the east area rapist um Golden State Killer, I think they called him also, but it's just, it's very well done. I'm going to watch the last episode here soon, but I've seen it all. Have you watched the last episode? 
I haven't seen the final one, but I've seen the, the first five. Yeah. Yeah. It's just excellent. And it, what, what really sets it apart from, besides the fact that you know that she dies before you start watching, you know that Slay's going to die. But the, um, just from an accident or whatever, but the way that it focuses on, it does, all, everything else always focus, focuses on the killer. And this is so focused on the victims. And just, it's just a neat, way to do it It just get get kind of let lets them talk about it you know let's each of them give their stories and things it's well done in that respect puts the focus on them instead of giving all the clout to you know the focusing on the bad guy yeah i i'm we've established i'm not really a true crime fan very much but i was i watched because i was interested in her and her story yeah and that's exactly what this is it's yeah you learn more about her life and what drew her into investigating these crimes and the toll it took on her life and yeah Patton, i saw him on a talk show promoting this and he said the exact same thing that he had no interest in doing a show about the killer and glorifying and like, oh, what's this crazy, creepy guy? Do? He wanted to explore the victims and give them the voice. So, you're, yeah, you're spot on. And what the attempt was to make this her story and their story, not his story. Yeah, it was good. I can't wait to watch the end of it. And the last thing I wanted to bring up is we got a fantastic surprise came my way this week. Big Brother's back, baby. They figured it out. They figured it out. They they all had masks on when they were talking to Julie. And then they went in the house and they were all hugging and high-fiving. You got to protect the chin bot. (laughs) But in the house, no social distancing whatsoever. Well, they're all cleared. They did it. They figured it out. They could have easily... Okay, I'm... There's plenty of faults to find. Like their premiere, they made some pretty stupid decisions. Um, having a really boring com- competition on a live show and things, but they got a great oh, cast. Like the maze with the ball yeah. rolling. A table maze that... I flipped past and was like, what is this? It's not for live TV. That was stupid. That's the kind of thing that needs edited. But there's plenty to complain about, but... I want to congratulate CBS on figuring it out. They so easily could have said, see you next year. But instead they put people in bubbles, separated everybody, tested them over and over. I'm not saying something couldn't go wrong. It is mm-hmm. everywhere else, but uh, they might've figured it out. They even like their uh, production crew. They have, separate teams of them and if somebody in one of the team is test positive they're going to not use that team you know they're going to go to the use a different team and stuff so just like they really they put in the work and then they made it this is the second all-stars show like they haven't had one for 15 years so it's a bunch of great you know you got winners and very popular you know people that from year, all the years past that have made it very far in the game it's going to be great it's going to be great and it's just it's just an extra thing we weren't even expecting we were going to get so i'm super hyped for it Hmm. yay it's something this may just be the few minutes i watched but i kept flipping back and forth during a commercial and every person they introduced was a real estate agent all their hey i'm jenny i'm a real estate agent from oakland no, hey, I'm, I'm Jeff. Of... I'm a real estate agent from Philadelphia. <laughs> like everyone I saw was a real no, estate no, agent. They had all kinds of zoomy type uh, things too. I'm a jewelry maker. I I saw well, one jewelry. was a podcast host. I saw um, a John, podcast yeah, we had pot. We had couple podcast hosts. We had a, a somebody selling jewelry online. We had a, these are all these people's second careers after right. mild fame from mm, the, the yeah. show. I'm an acting coach. Right. I'm a <laughs> I'm a model. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, some of their things have changed, um, but whatever. These are some some really great players that I'm excited to watch. Do you have a favorite? Are you gonna go out on a limb this early and call a winner? 
Well, a win and a winner or, a, or just two a, things. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, the person I, probably my favorite and who I would want to win is Ian. Who who is the nerdy little guy who won season fourteen and beat the 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 best player the the known best player of Big Brother? It, usually the consensus is Dan, uh, and he he's known for having they call it the mist. He can miss they call it he's he's got this mist. He can talk you into no, anything. Not in this era. I know. I know. He's not on it. They didn't have him back. <laughs> And literally overnight last night on the first night, all anybody said was, I'm so glad that guy isn't here because I'm scared to death of him. He just can, will can get, convince you of anything. And he, he, he's known to be the best player. But anyway, he came to the, yeah, he, he, uh, season 14, probably, I think like eight years ago, he, uh, when he came back, they all knew he was the best and he still made it to the final two against Ian and Ian actually beat him. Um, so, and he's just very likable, nerdy guy. You kind of feel sorry for him. He's obviously got you know, doesn't do well socially, <clears throat> but fights through it. And I'd like to see him come back. There's a lot. The thing, the thing about the season is there's no toxic males. They love to cast toxic males and I don't think there's one on this cast. I don't know how they did it. They went back and got they all, they all tested for high levels of toxicity. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, I think. I mean, it just seems like this entire cast is a bunch of characters that are not problematic, and you want to root for all of them. So I'm excited for that. Let's. I just, I just want to see whoever plays the best game. That might be my main aversion to reality shows like this. Is there's always like the villain. Yeah. There's always the people that like. I, I, I'm not interested in that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need the bad guy on one of these shows. Or the, the per, and it's worse when they know they're the bad guy, they're the Omarosa of the yeah. show that's that's scheming and trying to do stuff. It's like, ugh. yeah, I think that that's what they get in the habit of doing that. And I, this is the first season I think that I've ever seen them not do it. So I'm curious to see how it plays out. And on that note, I'm gonna let you guys take over. Check you later. Have a great time. All right. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Well, uh, while we're on television, do you have any quick Star Girl y'all uh, caught up? Well, we're the night we're recording. We're still one episode from the end, so right. we we haven't finished season one. We're just uh, twelve episodes in. Uh, yeah, still enjoying it. Still, still a good show. It's built some. Dr- it's killed people off. It's like yeah. introduced a ton of characters. It seems like. They may not have known they were getting a second season, so it's just go for broke now. I <laughs> like love it. they're just throwing everything at it, and it's it, it's so different from a normal CW show <laughs> that takes forever for nothing to happen. There are a couple episodes ago when uh, the Dragon King took his like hood off. I was like, "Holy crap, that's terrifying!" <laughs> <laughs> like it, but it's it's nice to watch one of these shows where. For a television show, the villains are villains. They're not good guys, but then they do something great with it to spoil this last episode, because it'll probably be a couple weeks before this comes out. To spoil that last episode when when uh, our young teenage Justice Society of America heroes discover like they hack in to the uh, to the system to figure out finally what the injustice society is planning, what they're trying to do, and it, and they're like they're totally shocked. They're like, well, they want to. Um, it was it was all like fight global uh, warming, fight global warming, and get everyone healthcare. free healthcare. <laughs> it was Bernie Sanders as the head of the ISN. Yeah, and I was like, well, Star Girl. Oh. <laughs> I'm watching it and I'm like, Star Girl's in the top one percent of superheroes. Yeah, I'm like, where's this going? <laughs> like this, but it was a neat a twist. Turn. Instead of like we said from the beginning, the the injustice society said we're trying to fight the injustices of the world. Yeah. Now they're doing it through evil schemes and mind control and turning people into zombies and killing them. But it's that they 
they're not just straight evil bad guys. They they right. think they're trying to help America. Yeah. And I thought there's a metaphor in there somewhere of like them turning the middle of the country into <laughs> right. mindless zombies, but uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's kind of funny that these are the these are the things they're trying to do in those like you know those six midwestern flyover states, Ooh. you know, as they're called. So I thought that was uh, that was really good. But man, I and I, then to like you know to really shake a young. You know, the next generation is all about social justice and fighting the good fight. Like, what a way to shake them and be like, wait, are they doing something good or should we be stopping this? So, yeah, uh, maybe not, you know, the biggest twist in the world, but I thought it was interesting at least. For a CW superhero show, I've just highly enjoyed this season. I, I, it's just been so much fun and fresh, um, a fresh take on, on these types of, you know, DC shows that they've been putting out. Um, now you have not watched any of Doom Patrol season one or two, correct? No, no. Maybe we'll hold off on that. I'm not through it yet. There's one episode I believe yet to go on HBO Max. My biggest complaint is I'm, I'm having trouble. The, the season two is, is excellent. Um, but I'm having trouble because normally I would watch it through the Roku um, on a Roku app and they, we still don't have the HBO max Roku app. So I have to watch it on my phone and then I watch bits and pieces at work and it, I get interrupted and it's just still trying to get through it. Um, but, it, but it is very good. I love all the actors in it. Um, and then, so that, where does that stack with umbrella Academy? Is, well, you know, that, it, they had a little, have that same kind of vibe. They had a little Twitter feud going on there for for a few days uh, between the show, playfully between the two shows that kind of ended. Doom Patrol had had put out a little clip of of, uh, Cyborg in character and he's kind of twirling around an umbrella, you know, like, hey, we did it first. We did it better type thing. Um, But they are they're a little bit of the same flavor. Doom Patrol is definitely darker. Um, yeah, more, definitely more adult, but, uh, this season has hi- it highly focused on the, the chief's daughter, who is this kind of ape girl named Dorothy. She dresses like Dorothy from the wizard of Oz, but she is a, um, infinite 12, not probably not even 12, maybe, maybe 10 or 11 year old who is actually like a hundred years old. And we discover the chief, his whole point of, um, doing the experiments on the doom patrol. Um, the whole point of that was he was trying to preserve his own immortality through these experiment, uh, experiments in order to take care of Dorothy who he had her hidden for decades and decades on Danny the Street. And of course, in last season, Danny the Street got turned into Danny the Brick. And in this season, Danny the Brick, uh, Dorothy, I think it was Dorothy, drops Danny and breaks him. Um, so there's, there's some weird, crazy, hard-to-explain stuff if you don't watch season one or even read some of the, the goofy, weird Grant Morrison type Doom Patrol stuff. So, but it is excellent. I just absolutely love that show. Um, so definitely I've been saying it for over a year now, go watch that show. And then I had just a quick little thing. I almost forgot about this. Um, our local theater here in Marietta, they were showing Ghostbusters. And that, did I tell you this, Jordan? Uh, you said you were going, but I didn't hear okay. what your experience was like. So I decided it was like, I think it was a Friday. Um, or maybe, well, anyways, there was a noon showing of Ghostbusters from, you know, the original. And I had the day off work and I was really just like, man, what are the chances that nobody will be there <laughs> at a noon showing in the middle of the week? Carly was, of course, here. So I was like, hey, why don't we go see a movie? So we, we show up. 
get there about 20, 15, 20 minutes before the, before noon, walk up there, doors locked. And I'm like, Oh, great. Well, all right. So I pull, go over the other door, pull on it. It's all locked up. So I was kind of standing there. I was like, well, we're here on time. Right? So here comes the manager. He opens up the door, you know, in like total shock that somebody is there. He's like, well, is there any other car in the lot? Uh, just his, I think. <laughs> and so he's like, well, sorry, I forgot to unlock the door. And I was like, it's okay. So I go in and there's one other kid working with him um, at the, at the concession stands. So I walked over and I said, Hey, uh, give me two for the noon showing of Ghostbusters. And that kid looks me dead in the eye and he goes, you know, it's from 1984, right? Say, so my son, so yeah. my. <laughs> I said, "Yes, I'm aware." I said, "If it wasn't the one from 1984, trust me, we wouldn't be here right now." And he just kind of looked at me like, "Why are you watching this?" But I have fun. I've talked about this. So no one in the building expected anyone to be there. <laughs> no. Shocked that you were. That's yes. kind of strange. Absolutely. But I've mentioned this before that Ghostbusters is kind of the first movie I really have like a, a vivid memory of going to see. My aunt took me in 84. I was like five years old um, to see it. And uh, it was always a fond memory. It was always one of my favorite movies. It was in the first three VHS cassette tapes we had purchased when we got a VCR in the uh, sometime after that. So I, I'd watched it over and over and over. I had the soundtrack on a record. It was just a, it was a big deal when I was a kid. So my daughter, apparently I did not realize this. She had never watched the entire movie. So I was like, well, she's like, yeah, let's go see Ghostbusters. I was like, okay, great. So we go in, we watch it. They run about a 30 minute featurette before the movie starts on the making of Ghostbusters. Really? Showing behind the scenes interviews and footage and then they have um, uh, um, Ivan Reitman there with um, doing uh, talking to Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Sigourney Weaver, and and they're talking about the experience and just having a blast about it. So that was really great. He was there with his son, Ivan Reitman's son, um, that did the Jason Jason that did the upcoming new Ghostbusters movie. That's you know, done, but waiting for things to open up again. Um, so they were talking about that and he's like, yeah, I had my dad on set and, and, you know, it was nice to, to be able to talk to him about, you know, his opinion, how would he do it? And, and it was, it was, it was very cool, except for the fact that they showed basically every great part of the movie before we watched the movie. So yeah, probably made, for those revival houses and like fan showings and, and gather, you know, not made for the casual younger audience. For the 13 year old who'd never sat through the movie before. So, but, um, we watched the whole movie. Um, we got done. I said, well, what do you think? And she's like, she loved it. She, she just absolutely, she wasn't like, it was dumb. It was dated. Nothing. She, she had, there was a jump scare in there for her, which I thought was hilarious. Um, the scene where Dana is in her apartment and that Zool hand grabs her through the recliner. Ah, yeah. She jumped out of her <laughs> chair. <laughs> and I was like, I was just absolutely loving it. So we had a blast that day. I loved the experience. It was great. We went in, we, I took like, um, Clorox wipes with us. We wiped down our seats before we sat down and everything. We we're the only people in there. Uh, I had to make them, <laughs> I did a Seth and like we'd went in, sat down, found our seats, wiped them all down. And then I was like, man, it's kind of hot in here. So then I went out, <laughs> went back out. The manager and the kid are like sitting off to the side on their phones, you know, just there's nobody else there. I'm like, Hey, can you turn the air on? <laughs> so he was very nice. He came in, turned the blasted the air conditioning. So it was great after that. Just a really nice experience for theater experience for you know who knows how long till the next time we'll get to do that again but but i was really happy that carly really enjoyed it and uh it was a really nice experience with her but i almost forgot to talk about that on that podcast i meant to uh a while ago but hadn't gotten to it 
they've they've been playing movies I would love to experience on the big screen, but I don't know. I just I just can't can't pull the trigger uh, heading down there on a weekend. Yeah, yeah, and um, I want to say it wasn't even a week. Maybe it was a Friday when we went. I guess. Yeah, maybe. I think they're only open Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday. But know. now I think they've closed up again. I don't think they're showing even those anymore. So, anyways. Good you were experience. the only one to come. I was the only one. There was no reason to be there. <laughs> they only made ten bucks the whole experience. Right. <laughs> right. So, you got any other TV before we uh, kind of? Uh, not really. I just watched that Todd McFarlane documentary on Sci-Fi Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been doing this a couple weeks ago. Would have been San Diego Comic Con. Right uh, for the year, so they've been doing a whole block. They've been showing a lot of Marvel movies on there and doing some. They've got a couple of, like shows they do, nerdy quote unquote mm-hmm. type shows. Uh, so they they premiered it one night. Todd McFarlane colon like hell I won't. So a documentary, but it's mostly about Spawn three hundred and hitting. The, you know he broke the record for longest running independent comic book. So it was kind of the month leading up to that, the deadline, him getting all the artists together to help pitch in. But then as he's, as we're intercutting scenes with that, it's talking about his rise and his time at Marvel mm-hmm. and getting getting discovered. And there's not not a ton of information there. You, you may if you've seen any of the other image documentaries or anything, but interesting, uh, worth a watch, especially if you're interested in him. He's He's a character, you know. He, he speaks yeah. his mind and oh, is yeah. not afraid. He has enough power in the industry; he can say what he wants, and there's not going to be any repercussions. So, uh, yeah, sci-fi. I'm sure it's streaming on sci-fi.com at the moment. I ran across just by chance. Um, it came up my suggested on my on my YouTube account. Alex Ross has his own YouTube channel. Really? Yeah, and I know Seth's not a big fan of that style. I personally kind of like it. It's, it's, um, I, I guess I just appreciate it for, uh, it, it's realistic, but it, you know, in today, in co- in the comic world, it's, it's a very different style, that painted yeah. look. Um, but I watched, uh, watched a couple videos he had up on there. They were really interesting and it was kind of neat to, you know, to watch his process if you hadn't seen it before. And, and he was talking about how he's doing it. You know, he would always use, uh, models. Um, and, and now, you know, being stuck at home by himself, he's doing some of the modeling himself and taking pictures and, and that whole process was kind of fun. So yeah, I didn't know. That's how... why Captain America is always chubby. Pictures <laughs> <laughs> <a> chubby dude. <laughs> right, Exactly. So, but, uh, but, and he, t- you know, touched on kingdom come and some other stuff. So he's got a whole channel of videos he he's done. So that was pretty interesting stuff. Um, yeah, inside joke. Seth does not like Alex Ross mainly right. because he feels like his Steve Rogers is just a little chubby. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He draws that like kind of barrel-chested, you know, fifties mm, physique. Yeah, yeah. yeah square very, jaw. Yeah, yeah. Superman, nineteen fifties <laughs> right, television right. serial. So. <laughs> I've got a little bit of animation type stuff. I didn't know where else to throw this in, but I, I recently saw um, Kevin Smith was talking about his Masters of the Universe colon Revelation series that's coming to Netflix. Okay. he So he, he was talking about it on his podcast. He was mentioning it and that the recording sessions are apparently done with that. And I guess maybe I forgot or just didn't run into this information on the voice cast for this thing. Cause uh, the cast is pretty epic. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I highly enjoyed that She-Ra series. Now I know it's a totally different tone and subject matter, um, but that She-Ra series they did on Netflix. I, as it went on, the more and more I liked it, the more and more I got into it and excited about it. Um, but this one, man, I was looking at this and Sarah Michelle Geller, Mark Hamill, 
and Chris Wood are the stars of it. Geller will voice Tila, Hamill as Skeletor, and Wood as Prince Adam He-Man. And then it's got Lena Hetty as Evil Lynn, um, Liam, Liam Cunningham as Man at Arms, Griffin Newman, Orko, Stephen Root, I love Stephen Root, as Cringer, Diedrich Bader, who's done a lot of Batman voice work, um, as King Randor, and Alicia Silverstone as Queen Marlena. And then uh, the last one is Susan Eisenberg as the Sorceress. And I, I just was just like, man, this this is great voice casting. It was Jason Mewes playing. <laughs> exactly. Um, he's probably... Stinkor. I'm going to guess Stinkor. I would Let's say that. Fisto. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is set to premiere in 2021, coming to Netflix. No premiere date yet. But, man, I was just like... I we just hadn't talked about it. So I wanted to touch on it because I, we, a few episodes back, um, we were doing that toy episode and I, I recently kind of, I had a castle gray skull that I talked about that my wife had bought me several years back as just a fun Christmas gift. I love vintage toys. I don't have very many of them, but I love them. And I always had one of those as a kid. So I kind of, the pieces I didn't have, I had to go and, you know, kind of restore it or more or less. Um, and it was a lot, of, it was a lot of fun. So it kind of got me excited. I joined a couple Motu Masters of the Universe Facebook groups while I was doing that to kind of research what I needed and that type of stuff. So those are still my Facebook. So it, it's still like in, you know, my world at the moment. Um, fresh on the mind, but, uh, I came into asylum there not too long ago and had picked up that, uh, He-Man and the masters of the multiverse six series set, because I didn't know it even existed. Came out last fall, like on my birthday last year, it came out apparently released. Well, they, they've done a couple, you know, DC has the rights to the moment of He-Man. They've done a couple mini series and I thought, okay, they've kind of done as much as they could do it's like wait a minute let's go through the multiverse <laughs> I'm like okay there's if you that's that's a hit anytime yeah for, especially for a property that's been around that long with so right. many incarnations you can play off of it, but i had really enjoyed that they did that thundercats crossover a few years ago um that i really liked and then they had done that he-man and the just dc injustice world all their dc um from the video game that started as the video game that's branched out but they had done a crossover there that I really enjoyed like last year or the year before, maybe it was 2018. But anyway, so I, I picked up that first, I, I picked up that first issue and then read it. And I was, I messaged you and I was immediately like, okay, just pull them all for me, whatever you got, I'll take them. So happy to report, finally finished it. actually sat down and read the rest of them here just in the last couple days. And I absolutely loved it. It, it was like, he-Man gets his own, like Spider-Man, you know, that Spider-Verse. He-Man gets his own Spider-Verse is, is basically the plot of it. And, of course, there's a, that one of the uh, dimensions is a anti-Eternia dimension. And we get the <laughs> anti-Eternia He-Man who is, like, almost devoid of, of color and he is goes on a murderous rampage throughout the the multiverse and killing all the other trying to kill all the other he-men to collect the power sword to unlock all the hidden secrets of Grayskull and all all that type of plot device. Um, and that world also has the good Skeletor, right? Is that, that right? The idea? Yeah. So in this, um, the he-man from the 1987 movie masters of the universe and like this little like pocket sized he-man toy. I don't, I don't know if exactly where he's from, but he was hilarious. Um, along with like Gwildor, they recruit Prince Caldor, you know, bef the, before he becomes Skeletor, whatever dimension there where, uh, um, he is still in, he's a, he's a goof off, little brother to you know king randor um 
if you're not familiar with some of the other stories of Motu and only the cartoon series. Prince Keldor was pre-Skeletor. He was Randor's brother um, before he went bad. So that that's kind of in a lot of the the uh, multiverses. They run with that. Um, let's see. Um, so they recruit Prince Keldor to save the universe and defeat the anti-He-Man as the plan. Um, I liked it because it had all the different... It had like the 90s space He-Man um, that was short-lived. The, of course, the classic cartoon world, you know, where they're always teaching each other lessons more. <laughs> it's a running joke. Then it had, like we said, the the 87 movie world. It had um, uh, the, the He-Man world from the original mini comics before the cartoon came out. And that original storyline of like the two halves of the power sword is worked in like everything in that whole, if it's had he man on it, they've pretty much incorporated it into this book. So, and and we didn't have to bother. I like the, you know, he man versus thundercats and all that. Cause I like that too, but it was nice because it was just a he man book, but it was still kind of a crossover. So, anyways, I read all that. Um, so kind of, kind of the feel of the, the Ninja Turtles movie we watched of like you know, mashing together some of your very, favorite eras. Yeah, to, they, to see how they clash, how they're different, how they're the same. Yeah, so they do that whole thing, and I, I loved it. Did you get the same note from Michael about that? That he says he should have been on that Ninja Turtles episode. No, because he he listened to it and he okay. said he was yelling at us because he knew everything we didn't. Because there was a lot of stuff like, now when did that happen? I'm not sure what was what series was that from. He said he knew every fact that we did not, and he was very upset that well, he was not involved in that. He's too busy. You don't want a podcast. That's the price you pay. You yell at you yell at us through uh, through your headphones, through your <laughs> cell phone player, whatever. Um, but yeah, and then in conjunction, I've just had all this Motu stuff I wanted to get out. Um. Mattel, speaking of vintage toys lines, Mattel released the first wave of a Walmart-exclusive Masters of the Universe Origins line. Same scale as the classic original uh, toy line, uh, five and a half inches, and um, updated for, you know, a new generation. It's a thing that they're doing now. Um, He-Man, Skeletor, Man-at-Arms, Tila, Evil Lynn, Beast-Man, Battle-Cat, and a Prince Adam with Sky Sled set. And I gotta tell you, they look pretty cool. Yeah. They've been flying off shelves. People, uh, collectors are ticked off, ticked off, excuse me, because, um, the usual toy distribution problems of today. Nobody can find them. If they do, one scalper goes in, buys up everything there is, resells it on eBay. So taking some of the fun, because people our age, we buy this stuff for fun. Yeah, those would be perfect scale for your castle. You can fill up, you can fill up your castle. That was actually my, because I'd been looking, we have a local, in our mall, we have a local, um, vintage toy store classic plastic toys and he's had a few here and there um that's actually where my gray skull came from and i was down there the other day and carly and i stopped in and they had like the battle armor he-man and tony had a battle armor skeletor and some various figures that had um a snake mountain not complete but they had one of those and i was like oh man that's cool that's cool i really should get you know like maybe get some figures more figures to go along with it but then these came out and i was like man should i just like (laughs) do i want to spend that money just to like have it like but i've gotten sucked into these facebook groups where everybody's so excited about finding these toys just like you know when you were a kid it was it was an exciting thing there was that one you were looking for so yeah, I got sucked in it when they did the G.I. Joe 25th anniversary figures that looked like the original cards. Yep. 
and they reissued all the figures. I bought way too many of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. But I, and, and so I was going to mention just how that vintage stuff, those remakes have have become a big market again in your targets and your Walmarts mm. or you know whatever. And there's specialty toy stores where you pay a little bit more money because they bought them up and you can still get them. But, but the you know for the collectors, for people our age that grew up with that stuff, it's still a lot of fun. Target just had you know um, last year they had the uh, the Star Wars Kenner retro line came out, and they were you know the gimmick was we used the original star wars molds from 1977 and the car- the the figures looked very accurate for what they were there were a few improvements but the the one figure out of there that everybody always wanted the grand moff tarkin that kenner never made they included that grand moff tarkin in that vintage look you know 77 but you had to buy like some remake video or a board game for $30 to get the little figure you wanted. (laughs) So people weren't happy with that. Well, they just released with the 40th anniversary empire. They did it. They did the exact same thing. They did a small collection um, of those original figures, empire strikes back 40th anniversary, three and three quarter inch uh, series figures. and, And it was, you know, um, Bespin Luke and, and uh, Hoth Han Solo and um, I think I think Hoth Princess Leia all the you know Lando um, all those from Empire but then they did the exact same thing they came out with a Luke Skywalker Snowspeeder pilot with the the visor damp the the orange visor goggles down you know more accurate that everybody always wanted and they put it with another stupid board game reproduction i saw it down in down at the mall at a bookstore and i was like man that is awesome that figure but i'm not paying 30 dollars for this dumb game that i don't want but again people were buying them up it was a huge hit um, I didn't see a lot of criticism. I'm sure there was, but I didn't see a lot of criticism. Other, It was mainly just people were really excited and happy to be able to go and find those figures at, you know, $14-$15 a pop rather than try and spend a whole heck of a lot more on those vintage figures. Right. So, Especially if you just want them as a display piece and a... Yeah, you know, just just to put on your desk at the work or what, yeah, you know, whatever not, you want them for. I'm not trying to resell them or anything like that. And nothing yeah, against those yeah. vintage collectors. I love vintage stuff, yeah. but I think it's a it's a fun thing to to get a reissue um, that looks like those old toys from when we were kids. And you know, the new stuff's great, and it's all it. Of course, it looks better. The moldings are better. They're more poseable and all that. But I don't think that's always what we want. You know, some collectors, they just want that vintage look. So I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I did some searching online. The only piece our local Walmart had was they had one battle, one battle cat the other day I saw online. No He-Man, no Skeletor, no Man of Arms. So phase two is supposed to be coming out, I think, in October. It's going to have Orco. And I saw Scareglow, which is a real rare vintage figure. Oh. So people were really excited about the Scareglow. Had one when I was a kid. And some other, a few other, you know, probably six or eight other little uh, uh, ma- um, Masters of the Universe figures. So just going in, that's all my, he- my He-Man news I really had. Um, I really want that Prince Adam with the Sky Sled because it looks awesome. It's got a little displayer, a clear displayer, so it looks like it's he's up in the air, and it has the blaster bolts coming out of it. It looks awesome. So, looks like a Sears catalog. It really does. <laughs> That's really my only goal. I, <laughs> if I could have all those and then set them up and take pictures to make my own catalog, I would be in heaven. <laughs> so. That's it. That's all I brought to the table for this one. Uh, I had a few. If we're talking comic books, I got a yeah. few comic booky things I can throw out Go here. Uh, 
uh, like I mentioned, this should have been in the wake of San Diego Comic Con, uh, which is this is the time of year. we should be news out the yin yang. There should be new trailers and new yeah. books announced, but just didn't really happen. So there's there's not. They did a bunch of live streams and they did some interviews and like they tried to do some events, but it just never. It's not the same. The excitement wasn't there because this time of year it's normally. You know the webs. The, the big websites are refreshing articles every five minutes. Right, trailers People are coming are in dropping. off the street. Yeah, oh, have you heard this? Have you heard that news? Oh, share this trailer. Like, it's usually just a frenzy, but eh, not quite. Now we're still sitting on movies that were supposed to be released three or four months ago. Exactly. So, so uh, the only real big thing going on. We're still in the middle of free comic book summer. Um, this was the thing rather than the first weekend in May. One big event. They stretched it out, so between July and September, just giving out a few books a week. It's, I mean, Free Comic Day is always our biggest day of the year, so we're not that <laughs> yeah. now. But it's been, it's gotten people to come back every week and check out. You yeah. know, there, I just get two or three every week, but then I, I always have leftovers from years past. So mm-hmm. every week I, I, I refresh the table and put brand new stuff out. So if you miss something in a year previous. You know, I, I try to do a good mix of stuff for younger readers or older. So just so, something new every week that people can come right. in and check out. Right. And I've uh, been raising money for the Tri-County Food Pantry, which is what we do every year. And, you know, we usually have a pretty good uh, haul of canned food and donations at the end of the day. So, again, we're not going to have that. <laughs> we're not going to hit those levels. But being able to stretch it out over the whole summer and people just throw in a buck or two, like it's yeah. going to add up. So by September, I'll, I'll have something to donate, which will make me feel a lot better. Now, have uh, you seen, or are you getting the, like the little kids that come in, their parents bring them in for their free books? Or, or have you seen quite a few of those? Uh, there's been a little bit of that. Um, and then there's been some that they just come in and I'm like, oh, be sure and grab a free one. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Like it's it's a shock when they get the, you know, they weren't there for that, but it's a little bonus for them. But yeah, that's that day is usually the biggest outreach and getting new people to come in and check things out. And again, we're not it's hard to get people out and about right now. Right. And I don't blame anyone for staying home, as you probably should. But you know, this is just a little shot in the arm, a little something to get yeah. things out promoting. And then even the thing, uh, the the book that Robert Kirkman put out, Firepower, mm-hmm. his new book, uh, Walking Dead creator, kind of a kung fu action adventure story. He did a free comic, and I've had like I think three people this week add it to their pull list. So like, well, that's good, yeah. So yeah, the the promotional aspect is working, and you know, to, to some degree, as I said, yeah. it's never going to be what it normally is, but we're 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 trying. Uh, probably the biggest announcement. I'm guessing that would have come out of San Diego was the Rorschach book that's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, be October 13th from Tom King and Jorge Fornes. It's going to be a 12 issue black label series spinoff of the Watchmen. We're not quite sure. Um, I believe it is in the same continuity and set. It's set in 2020. I know that for sure, but mm-hmm. no one's entirely sure. Is it the Watchmen from Doomsday Clock? Mm-hmm. The new, or the, I'm sorry, the Rorschach from Doomsday Clock, mm-hmm. or is it somehow a story about Walter Kovacs? We don't quite know. Uh, the cover was amazing. Uh, it looked like a 70s mm. paperback like adventure, but I don't know. It was, just, it was a wonderful cover, but again, there's going to be Watchmen purists that don't like the idea of a spinoff and, and cashing in again, but I said the HBO show... You I was to. kind of against it, but it, it knocked it out of the park. So I'm all for a Rorschach yeah, miniseries. Uh, as good as that thing was, I think they had to try something to kind of ride those coattails. People were, you know, when people get interested, you only have a, a certain amount of time when you're, you're, you know, not just hardcore comic fans, but when the general public is is says wow that was really good i'm really interested in that so you have to you got to take advantage of that and tom king has said it's really for this era you know the original watchman was you know during you know, the cold war yeah fear 80. of nuclear war mm-hmm. the russians that kind of thing he says this is a very of 2020 story uh so we'll we'll see what what that means 
But October's not too far away, so it no. uh, should be coming. Not soon. the rate we're going. No. <laughs> um, probably the biggest story going on right now is the the Joker War going on in the Batman books. Mm-hmm. So this one's going on in the main Batman series, and it's already crossed over into Batgirl and Nightwing and Detective. So you don't have to read all those, but this is kind of the, the, the main series. Is this the three Jokers? No, that's coming out later. Okay. Um, so this one was set up. There was a story introduced a character called the designer. It was a brand new villain. All the speculators were out. It's a brand new character. We got to get the designer's <laughs> first appearance. And it was a kind of a flashback story that this guy came to Gotham. He was like a, a, a suave crime boss who could, could outplay in anyone and come up with schemes and, and see every eventuality. So he gets Joker, Riddler, penguin and catwoman together when they're very young in their careers and you know she's just robbing jewelry stores and jokers doing the clown fish and you know it's all very silver agey mm-hmm. and he says hey if you ever want to win <laughs> here's what you do here's how you stop batman and he gives all four of them a plan um and it was basically you know selena could have become the richest woman in gotham if she did this and the Riddler could have had the most unsolvable riddle ever and whatever. So I won't spoil what happens, but he tries to give the Joker a plan, and it does not go well. <laughs> the Joker, he doesn't. He underestimates the Joker. He And that Silver Age Joker wasn't quite what he would become. But So yeah. that's the idea. Joker takes the designer and does something else with it. I was all I will say. So that leads into the Joker war and... Uh, he kind of comes at Batman in a way he never has before. So we'll hmm. say that. And it's it's been a pretty good seller, and I, I'm I'm intrigued. I've enjoyed it so far. There's been a whole lot of, you know, last Joker stories or the biggest blow up Batman and Joker ever had, and that's it's that was a that's kind of the same advertising we got for this one. But this one seems like it kind of is. It seems like a big deal. I don't again. I don't know where it ends or how it. How it undoes some of the stuff it's doing at the moment, but uh, for now, and it's going to lead into we're into like issue ninety six, ninety seven, so it's going to all pay off in Batman one hundred mm-hmm. big anniversary issue. Did I see there's a uh, like a Robin eightieth anniversary book coming too? Uh, that one already came out. They okay, did that's that already been several. Yeah, when Action hit one thousand, Detective mm-hmm. hit a thousand. They're like, wow, these are popular, so yeah. they did Green all Lantern. Wonder uh, Woman, uh, Joker, Robin, yeah, but anyone who's been around that the... long, they did a big anniversary one shot. Yeah, and uh, the uh, fun new adventures with my new distributor. I'll just keep <laughs> everybody up on that. Um, everything's going fine. I'm getting the books where I'm supposed to. Everything's been arriving. I'm writing two checks every week. There, I have. They're, they're CODs. Mm-hmm. I got to hand the UPS driver a check. Which is, I'm sure <laughs> so people weird. would be shocked at that, but that's how this works. Yeah, that's so weird. Uh, so that's that's how they set things up. And like I had four weeks had gone by before any of my checks had cleared. <laughs> like they kept sending me stuff, but they were not cashing the check. That's so the best now part. <laughs> I just gave them the fifth one and the first one cleared. I was going to say they'll all hit at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's, t- and I thought they, this is so fast. They might not even have a bank account. Like they may not, like who knows? We're just but putting them were, in a shoebox. Yeah, <laughs> they're just collecting them. It's like well, one day we'll get that account. So yeah, they finally cashed the first check I wrote like five weeks ago, but they haven't cashed any since. So wow. it, it seems like it's going to be a slow go. Um, and then they announced, uh, Please don't call us anymore. No more phone calls. <laughs> so if you have a problem, send it in an email or do it through the website because we, we can't waste any more time answering phone calls. Wow. It's like that seems like a well, well-run yeah. machine if we don't want to make phone calls. And then like that same day, I swear, they announced they're going to do a credit card fee. So the, the, the shops that had signed up early – like when I sign up, they're like, you have to do COD. I don't know how long that has to go. Mm-hmm. But the first shops have a credit card on file. So if you're paying with the credit card, they just said you're going to have a 2% fee for every order, 
because the COD, there's like a $7 flat fee on every box wow. or every, every shipment. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, which, which would be more the 2% mm-hmm. of your order or the $7 depends on how much gonna, you order. Yeah, exactly. But that's been one of the problems people complaining about the shipping. Uh, there was a, that's, there was a fifth Wednesday of the month, this previous month, which usually means there's not a whole lot of product. Mm-hmm. You know, there's everything is scheduled for four Wednesdays. So I got like $30 worth of DC books that Wednesday and the shipping was $17. So that, there's no way to make a profit on no. that small amount of books. Yeah. And you That's know, I, I know I'm a, I'm a small store, but you know, everyone's going to have the same problem yeah. at some sort of scale. So, you know, a normal week, couple hundred dollars, $17 box. Okay. That I can mm-hmm. absorb that, but that that's one. That's a pretty <laughs> big hit on a $30 box. Yeah. And then they announced, this was the one that got most people annoyed, uh, a new final order cutoff. So every Monday you had your last chance to adjust orders. Mm-hmm. You could go in, raise them, lower them. Before and it was about three weeks before things hit, you had the final order cut up, and that was all you would you would get an email like the week before saying what was on what was on that week's list, but the list wasn't uh, confirmed until Friday at noon. They might add something or delete something, yeah. so you really couldn't start doing it until Friday. But then you had till Monday at like midnight. You had all mm-hmm. day Monday to do it. Well, these guys just announced the new FOC is now Sunday at midnight. So your base, most people are used to doing it on Friday. So now you have to do it on the mm-hmm. weekend, basically. Yeah. And not not every shop is open on the weekend, or you know, mm-hmm. ha, you know, if the boss maybe doesn't work Saturday and Sunday, and they have somebody else in there, when that like it's thrown everybody's schedules completely off of when they have to sit and do this paperwork because they have to they. They want to get things shipped a little faster, so they want that extra 24 hours to get things settled. So yeah, but man, anytime you something that important when you're you schedule it to be done on the weekends, a bad idea. Yeah, and this it is this it, I used you know it, I always did it on Monday, mm-hmm. and it, I that's all I did on Monday. You know I went over the list, I double checked all the numbers, I made sure everything was correct, and now I've been closed on Monday since we reopened. So mm-hmm. I do that I do it on Saturday. It takes me most of the day Saturday. So now I'm going to have to start doing it a little bit earlier. But again, that's, you know, the people who just come in shop don't know that or care, but yeah. it's just one more little thing. Like these were supposed to be the, this is the new competition. This is going to make the industry, you know, run a lot smoother. And it's just, they've kind of been putting up little blocks, but there, there's one thing they have done. Um, when you get, uh, you know, your books come in and you're missing a couple copies of something or something got damaged uh, I always had to send an email to Diamond. So to my customer service rep, I would send an email every Tuesday. Hey, I was shorted two copies of Batman, whatever, put the order code on, and I had five damaged copies of X-Men, whatever, and had cut and paste the, the actual mm-hmm. order number, send it in. He would process it, send a confirmation back. Okay. Well, the new people, they put it all on the website. So mm-hmm. you go to your invoice on your page, yeah. And you can just click. Uh, there's two copies of this and three copies of that. Click shorted. Mm-hmm. And it gets processed immediately. Okay, that's, so that's better. Yeah. So guess what Diamond announced this week? Hey, we, <laughs> we now have shortage and damage reports on our website. So I thought, wow, that's that's what everyone talked about for being a monopoly for 25 years. They didn't have to do it. Yeah. There was no you know, incentive. Care. Yeah. But now I don't have a customer service rep right now. They've, they've furloughed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of uh, emails coming in every week and not a lot of people to answer them. Mm-hmm. So they said, hey, that's a better way to do it. So they innovated and they changed things yep. and they improved things. So, again, the competition, <laughs> at least in this small little aspect. You got something, some improvement, yeah. a little spark of, of right. hope. <laughs> <laughs> Get my $17 worth. <laughs> uh, but just, uh, I said, it's, it's odd being open at this time you work retail i know you you have the same feelings of like yeah it's just not the same as it always was but nope i want to i wanted to end on i had a couple good customer interactions um you know it's normally my 
customers are down. The number of customers coming in the door yeah. every week is definitely down. But, it's down know, everywhere. A lot of my regulars are still sticking with me. They may not be coming as often, but you know mm-hmm. we're, we're still sticking with it. But uh, within the last couple of weeks, I had a couple good customers I never seen before that just both of them made my day, and the, the second one topped it. So the the first one was a woman came in and she acted like those people were like, I've got a really weird question. It's like this is a comic shop. There's no weird. There's no weird questions. Like I'm used. To, there's nothing heard, you can I've say. I've heard it all. Like, yeah. <laughs> So she said, I'm taking a class right now, and we're talking as like a something uh, feminism and pop culture or some kind of, uh, I don't know if that's the whole class, but that was the assignment. Yeah. Um, you were supposed to pick a fictional character and compare and contrast something from years ago and something from current. So she wanted to do Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Easy. She said, I know she's been around forever, and there would be a big change between you know where she was and where she is now. I was like, so she said, I'm just looking for something. Do you have any old Wonder Woman comics? I was like, ah, I don't really have a ton of the really old stuff. And uh, and she was talking about her, the assignment. Like, yeah, I just thought she'd be interesting. And I said, oh, yeah, she, she definitely has an interesting origin story. I was like, do you know? You know, I'm trying not to nerdsplain or mansplain. Right. I'm like, because I didn't know how much she knew about the character. And, like, and you don't want to scare her and run her out of the store. Right, right. But I was like, do you know anything about the creator? No, no, I don't. And I was like, well, he has kind of an interesting story. And I started telling her that story. And then she was asking questions. And like I said, now, you know, in the 40s, she was kind of invented as a feminist character. And then Mm -hmm. the creator felt this way. And then in the 70s, they kind of tweaked it. And uh, and she was like interested and asking questions. Like, I've never gotten to like opine on these subjects. Like, you know, most people who come in either know that stuff or don't care. Yeah. And I was like, wow, there's someone that is interested in my field of knowledge. I'm act- She's actually listening, and I'm telling her things she didn't know. That's amazing. But I, I had a trade. It was from the, it was the late 60s, early 70s, where they depowered her, mm. and she was wearing, like, the mod suits and yeah. dresses and stuff. So I had a trade from that era. And I said, this is kind of the, you know, they, they kind of made her of her time. She's like, oh, that's perfect. So she bought that and whatever the newest one was off the shelf. And she mm-hmm. said, oh, that, those would be great. That would be wonderful. So that was a fun interaction of like someone yeah. actually interested in the the history of of, of, <laughs> of a character. Yeah. Yeah. And then like a week after that, uh, I had a grandmother come in and she said, Hi, I was just wondering if you could help me find some comics with Thanos in them where the heroes win. I was like, where the hero? I was like, that's a you know, that it's comic books. The heroes always. Yeah. I didn't yeah. quite get what she meant by that. I was like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, I have a couple of things with Thanos. Now they're for an eleven-year-old boy, and he's in the hospital right now with leukemia, and he named his he named his tumor Thanos. <laughs> so I don't know if that's like some kind of psychological thing with to help a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you're, we're fight, we're fighting something right now, and like I, I, that might be something everyone does. I don't know, but like that to me struck such a nerve of like, you know, this kid it, is gonna get a little boost from this, and like he's gonna see the heroes win, and he like he's gonna project himself onto that. I, I right. don't know. That was so wonderful. Like, well, and, and good on Grandma for uh, for taking the initiative and thinking about it. You know, not mm-hmm. just blowing it off. And, and been like ah whatever yeah. yeah that's just okay that's some weird comic book thing but actually to come in and, and take the initiative and, and say okay let's let's make this happen let's uh let's take it and and, and so we can show him that hey yeah sure it's not just a movie here's a bunch of other stories that that uh where this happened so yeah and she's she spent quite a bit of time in there Hmm. Cup, had a couple oddballs come in while she was there. So I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, lady. Like, <laughs> please don't say anything. Please don't I, say yeah, anything. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't freak her out. Like, I wanted to spend a little more time with her, and you know, I, I, it would have right. been nice to talk, and you know, but and, you know, to tell her like this that that is my philosophy. Like, that's why comics exist to me. Of like, it's about you know, feel you know, they're like, you know. It's kids Over. seeing something bigger than themselves and what, what heroism means and what it means to fight for what's right. And like to that, yeah, for that aspect of it, I, I, I haven't made a better sale this year for yeah. sure. 
you should have totally when those when those other people came in just started you know just cracking it get out get out get out <laughs> not now come back later <laughs> not the time <laughs> trying to be respectable <laughs> But to that young man, good luck yeah. to you. That's right. Overcome pound, it. Pound Thanos is a good one for me <laughs> and for all of us KPP. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right, on that note, I think that probably wraps it up for tonight. I think so. We're just into tomorrow, so. Seth is snoring away somewhere. <laughs> Sunburn. He probably can't sleep. He's so sunburned. He's probably covered in like uh, aloe aloe gel, just head to toe. It's on the back. He's of a, he's in one of those Westworld baths. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I walked over there yesterday, and the backs of his the backs of his legs were as red as your t shirt you're wearing right now. And I was just like, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> yes folks remember it is summertime be sure and wear that SPF yes put some pants on if you're going to paint your house <laughs> and honk every time you drive by yes yes if you go by his house give it a give it a big honk <laughs> shake your fist and yell at him as you drive by <laughs> alright thank you for listening for Seth Offenberger my name is Jordan I'm Cliff Barnes Goodbye forever. Kapow! The Pop Cultured Podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders. All original content is property of www.udamwithkpp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a comment. Kapow! The Pop Culture Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. You can connect with us through social media on Facebook, YouTube, at The Kapow Podcast on Twitter, or email the show, Kapow! The Pop Culture Podcast at gmail.com. If you really want to go the extra mile, please sign up to be a patron through the Podbean app or our website, www.udownwithkpp.com, to receive special content and early access to some episodes. We are grateful to anyone that chooses to contribute, but please know that most of our content will always remain free, so please continue to like, comment, and share. <laughs>